0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GBC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. All right, you just say this with me if you want your flu shot. In the name of Jesus. I thank you that I'm redeemed. I don't have to get sick. I don't have to be sick. I thank you that you took it for me, my sickness, my pain, my flu, my cold. So in the name of Jesus, I receive healing now. I thank you that this year I will be healthy, I will be strong because of what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you believe it? Yes. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Now, you might say, well, I don't know about that. Well, that's okay. You just hang around and you'll, you'll continue to have a, have a faith in God's power. Praise God. In fact, I, I was just like that the other night, just this past week. I wasn't feeling real well. And I woke up in the middle of the night. And there's just kind of that funny feeling in your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, my goodness. I, I know that symptom or that feeling. I started talking to it right then. Like, oh, no, you don't. I'm not going to get sick. How many of you enjoy, like, getting sick? You just, like, bending over the toilet. (laughs) Oh, you just love that? (laughs) No, it's horrible. So I just said, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that I am free, and I don't have to continue to go down this road. We're turning it around right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. So God's going to be doing some things. Look for it. Expect it. Amen. Hey, uh, again, I just also, before we get started, there's a, Special person that's here today, and I don't want to embarrass or draw attention to, but there's a a a particular lady that came and visited this morning. Thank God for Facebook because it lets you get caught up with people that you haven't seen in a long time. And so, my wife, she had saw on Facebook a a person that we had known several years ago. She actually helped us start our first church, probably oh I don't know how many years ago. And uh, this was a blessing, and uh, came up from Florida. I think she came from. Well, she came from Europe somewhere, Switzerland, Sweden, Norway, somewhere over there, you know. Uh, She'll get on me afterwards. But she, she, somewhere over there, you know. But anyway, she came and helped us with our first church. And uh, her daughters, uh, gosh, they were probably under the age of 10 back then. And uh, then we got to see her daughters on Facebook. And, I mean, they are full-grown women. This is like, oh, my gosh, you talk about making you feel old. I'm like, wow. So anyway, she's here this morning, and when she came in, it was just such a blessing, and so praise God. If you see a, a young lady you've never seen before, just that's probably her. Just tell her, hey, glad you're here. <laughs> Amen. Well, are you ready to get into this message this morning? Again, this is the first Sunday of 2019, and uh, the series title, or the title of my message for these next few weeks is called The Two-Minute Warning. Now, that That terminology is really a football term and I don't know if you guys are football fans but we just finished up our college season. Uh, U of M did amazingly horrible <laughs> I mean they were up against the number 10 team in the in, the, in, the, in the, I think it was the peach bowl and I mean they just got smeared it was just horrible but anyways praise the Lord but we enjoyed watching football and then obviously we're coming up into Super Bowl Sunday that's coming up in February right come on let's wear your jersey day uh, in fact I don't think we announced that today uh, on Super Bowl Sunday everybody come just wear a jersey just to have fun and be light and easy right So anyways, but Super Bowl's coming up, and when it comes to a football game, there's what is called the two-minute warning, or it's the last two minutes of the game, and the thing about the two-minute warning is that when it comes to the end of the game, the two-minute warning stops everything right where it's at, and it signifies you've got two minutes to play the rest of the game, and you would think that people would look at that last two minutes and say, well, we only got two minutes. We've been playing hard. It's time just to kind of light and easy for the rest of the two minutes. But that's not what you do. That two minutes is to indicate to you, you've got two minutes to hunker down, grit it out, do everything that you can, dig deep because the game is on the line and you've got two minutes. Right? Right? And so it's the most significant, dig deep moment of a game to do everything you can to bring it home and bring home victory. Well, I'm here to tell you that we are in the last two minutes of this age and this life that we're living when it comes to God's timetable. Amen? I mean, we are so accustomed to living our life, doing our things, being so distracted by this and by that. But on God's timetable, we are in the last two minutes of the clock. And it's time for us as God's people to begin to dig deep. It's time to grit it out. It's time to put everything on the line and give it our all in our hearts and our service towards God in our relationship with God. As I said, everybody is living life just day after day, going through the motions, and I don't know if you're like I am, I I am so astonished that we are in 2019. I mean, it's like, didn't we just have winter in 2018? And here we are in 2019. Where did the time go? It just keeps continually moving faster and faster and faster. But when it comes to God... God has a timetable that he wants us to be aware of. When it comes to us as individuals, we very rarely prepare for much of anything. For some, we maybe plan as far as the next coming weekend. Man, I can't wait till the weekend gets here. I can't wait till Friday night because, man, I am going to just relax. It's the weekend. Or maybe we think out a little bit further and we say, you know what? I can't wait until vacation time. And we start to plan and we start to budget and we start to look ahead towards vacation time. We're going to Disney. And for all those of you that have been in Florida this past few weeks, well, just <laughs> good for good for you. <laughs> we were cold here in Michigan. <laughs> and then maybe there are those that have maybe even planned out a little bit further. That maybe you've started to look out and plan for retirement. Well, by the end of today, my heart is, is that you would begin to look even further and that you would begin to have an awareness to be, pre- be preparing for eternity. Because we are in a two-minute warning when it comes to God's clock. We are on God's timetable and the time is ticking. Now, you might say, well, what does that mean? When, when you say we're in the last two minutes, well, Jesus told us that he was coming back to receive his people. I'm not talking about the end of the world. I'm talking about when Jesus said he's going to come back and receive his family. And in this time where Jesus is telling us in the Gospels, he says, there's coming a time that I'm coming back to receive my family. And he says, there are going to be signs that you can identify in the earth that indicate to you that the time is upon you. How many of you have driven down the road? We're talking about Florida. I don't know. Some of you have probably driven down to Florida. Uh, You start driving down the road. If you're going, uh, uh, following a road map or even a GPS system, you begin to look for signs to indicate where you're going to go, right? You start to look for the the interchange of 75 to 23 or as you're continuing going down through Ohio or wherever it might be. You are looking for the signs to indicate the direction of where you want to go. And Jesus said, there are signs that you can identify that upon those signs or seeing those signs, my coming is short at hand. And therefore, letting us know and helping us be aware that we are in the two-minute warning season. It's time to hunker down. It's time to get serious. And here's what Jesus said, just to give you a few uh, indications or signs of what he talked about. In Luke chapter 21, verse 25, it says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nation will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of sea. He said, there will be signs... In the sun, there'll be signs in the moon, there'll be signs in the stars, and in this, the last couple of years, we have seen that. We've heard about the blood moons, right? We've seen the eclipses, we, we've seen just what was it last year the northern star or the star of Christ that hadn't been seen for 2,000 years. But there are things that are becoming indicators of. There are things that we are beginning to see. Ha- have you noticed that in regards to our, 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 um, our nations, there is great perplexity? He says this in Matthew chapter 24 verse seven. It says, "For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places." Come on, nations are against nations like they've never been before. There are nations that are against nations internally like never before. There are earthquakes, tsunamis, there are all kinds of things, hurricanes like never before. And Jesus said, these are all signs that I am soon coming. Now you might say, well, we have begun to see those things for the longest time. And that has been for many generations. It has been, but it's continually getting stronger and more evident as the years go by. But he makes this one statement that is very significant. He says, when you see Israel restored as a nation, he said, this generation will see my coming. In 1940, I forgot the date, was it 48 I believe it was, Israel was restored as a nation. And he said, once you see this, this generation will not see or will see my return. So every single person in this room right now has lived beyond that time or is living on this earth since that's happened. So depending on your age, every single person in this room will see the coming of the Lord. That's how close at hand it is. We are in the two-minute warning. But see, we live life day after day, and we become so callous and so unaware and just so haphazard in how we live this life. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is short at hand in his coming. We are in the two-minute warning. And so my challenge for us today is, will we purpose to be committed to let our lives matter to get down to business and give it all that we've got in these days that we are living because we are in the last two minutes on God's timetable. It's time to move the ball down the field. It's time to score. It's time to do what God's called us to do. Amen? Here's my question for you. If just by chance Jesus came today, And today was your day that you was to stand before him. What would he say? What would he respond to you? How would he interact if today was your day that you would stand before him? Jesus makes another statement in Matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 21. He says this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, 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 shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me, in that day, everybody say that day. What day is that? That day that you stand before him. He said, in that day, he said, many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, uh, and done wonders in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or workers of iniquity. I find that interesting. He says, I never knew you. If you were to stand before God today, could you say with confidence, I know him? I didn't say, did you ask Jesus into your heart did you pray a prayer to say oh Jesus I don't want to go to hell forgive me of my sins I said do you know him because the Bible says that there were those that did signs and wonders and miracles in the mighty name of Jesus and Jesus still turned to them and says I didn't know you come on are you here this morning now this isn't a sober message this isn't a message for us to get all scared it's a message to get us thinking But it'd also be a message that gets us stirred up and excited for what's ahead of us. Because we are in the last two minutes. The game clock is ticking down. What would he say to us? Would he say, I knew you? And here's the thing where he says, I never knew you. This is what it actually translated. That I was never or I have never been acquainted with you. If there was ever a time to make a decision to be committed, it is now. If there was ever a time to be serious in your relationship with God, it is now. Because the clock is ticking. I said it's a time that we should be committed, but the thing is, is that we are a committed people, everybody's committed. Unfortunately, we just tend to be committed to the wrong things. Are you out there? I said, we're we're people that are committed. We just tend to be committed to the wrong things. And and the thing about it is, is that the enemy has been real good at bringing distractions and bringing things that have gotten us off course and have lured us to get into a place of where we give of our time or really commit ourselves to things when there are other things that God says, man, I so desire for you to be committed, that you would spend time, that you would serve, that you would grow, that you would come to know who I am. Think about it. We have things called social media. And social media is a wonderful tool to promote the gospel, to reach people, to reconnect. But do you know that you can get in the ditch with social media? I I believe they say that the average time span for a teenager to be on social media is like six to eight hours a day. How in the world can you spend that much time on social media? Well, see, it's a distraction. And here's what they're saying as a result of that. That as a result of that, children, teenagers, are no longer able to communicate and have interaction or social networking with people face-to-face because it's all done electronically. Are you here? Now, for some of you that are older and you say, I don't have a phone, I don't have a computer, this might be totally foreign to you. But for those of you that have smartphones... You know what I'm talking about. I'll be the first one to tell you. It's real easy to get on your phone and get on Facebook and start messing around on your phone while the kids are saying, hey, dad, will you play with me? Hey, dad, will you do something with me? Yeah, I'll be right there, son. You know what I'm talking about? It's easy to be distracted. In fact, here's what psychologists have said. They said that people now or children of this younger generation have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. They said that a goldfish has a nine second attention span. They said children today are only at an attention span of six seconds. Why? Because there is a distraction that there is pulling people in a different dis- direction and they're committed to something but not committed to the right things. Has anybody paid attention to politics nowadays? I mean, it. It's just amazing how in the ditch on one side or the other you can go. And people can just get indignant, right? I mean, they're committed for causes and whatever else it might be, and it's just nothing but a distraction, right? I mean, you look at athletics. Now, I want you to hear me because I, I know you-, you might think, well, Pastor, you get on a soapbox about this. I get on a soapbox about this because I have been pastoring for more than 20 years, and I have seen the damage. You might think, well, that won't ever happen to me. Whatever you're committed to is what you'll give your heart to. And I have seen families that have went down that route of where athletics become church and become God in the family, and it has destroyed families. It's destroyed marriages. And it has caused people to be spiritually bankrupt as a result of what they make God in their life. Are you hearing me? There's a sexual revolution that has, has transpired over the, the history of the last couple of decades. And especially in the time and the season that we're living in right now. Right? I mean you can be whatever you want to be. You can be... A boy, you can be a girl, you can like a boy, you can like a girl. And please don't hear my heart as being insensitive to those people. But here's the core value or the the, the core of that very thing. Is the root of it is that you don't need or don't have to adhere to God as being God. Because God said, I've made male, male and female one for the other. And there are those that are saying... I know that my DNA, the biology of my body is a boy. But I don't believe what God did or made me as. And so I'm going to choose to be God and say that I'm a woman. Now again, please don't hear me as being insensitive or critical on those individuals. My point is this is that there has been a, a, a great endeavor to provide smoke and mirrors to get us off course and off point to where we're no longer committed to a heart towards God, but we're committed to all these other things and it's nothing more than a a means and a plot to get us distracted and away from God. And it... Is it interesting or is it ironic that in the day and the hour that we're living, that everything is amped up so much and everybody is so indignant and everybody is so inflamed about what they feel and what they believe? Why is it? Because we are in the last two minutes. I said we're in the last two minutes and the enemy is working tooth and nail to destroy God's family And to cause people to get to a place where he says, I didn't know you. So if you were to stand before God today, would God say, I didn't know you. I know you went to church. But we never had a relationship. We weren't acquainted with one another. You might have lived in the house, but we weren't interacting with one another. It's a sobering question, isn't it? Does God know you and do you know God? Notice what the Bible says here in Luke chapter 9. In Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 62, it says, But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So he's talking about those people that say, God, I'll serve you. I'll be committed. But then start looking back. Well, I think I like this back over here where I was. And the commitment of heart, the knowing of God wanes. And God says, you're not fit for the kingdom. He says, I don't know you. Amen? Successful people are people that are committed. Successful people that are successful in their relationship with God are people that are committed. Just a little side note, if you've set some resolutions for this year, if you don't develop a daily habit or a regular habit that keeps you in the rhythm, you will fail at your commitment very quickly. In our relationship with God, if it's not something that you do regular, daily, or at least have some kind of habit routine that keeps you committed, you will get off your commitment Even in your commitment with God. And then it comes to a place of where am I acquainted with Him or am I just going through the motions. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 3. He says, commit your work to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Notice it says, if you commit your work or commit your life to the Lord. He says, your thoughts will be established. Come on. When it comes to my wife and, and me, I mean, she's still uh, sometimes as grumpy as I can be, or just be a bonehead. You know, there's still times where I walk in the room and she lights up like, "Ooh, hey, baby." She still has those puppy dog eyes for me. There's those times where she'll say, "You know, you still, you still good looking," or she said, "Man, I just love you." Well, what is she doing? She's committed her heart to me and therefore it dictates or it commits her thoughts. Right? So when she looks at me, she's like, man, you're still the man that I love. Because my thoughts and my heart are committed. When we're committed to God, when we commit our lives to God, our thoughts will be directed. When the enemy brings the temptation, when the enemy brings the distraction, when the enemy says, hey, why don't you get involved here? My thoughts say, well, listen, I want to make sure that it lines up with my heart and my relationship and my commitment with God. Is it going to affect that? Is it going to change that? Is it going to hurt that? But I commit myself to God. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't want robots. Did you hear me? I said, God don't want robots. He's not looking for you to be mechanical. He simply wants us to have a want to, have a desire to know Him. But on the flip side, God is committed to you. Every day, 24 7, God is all about you. Hear that this morning. I said, 24 7, God is all about you. The moment that you wake up, God's thoughts are towards you. You wake up and He's like, ah! They're awake. Good morning. He says this. He says, I'm a jealous God. I'm jealous for you. So therefore, when we commit ourselves to other things, God says, hey, what about me? And I just want to spend some time with you. I just want to hang out with you. I want to ask you a question. Why did the sun come up this morning? The sun came up because God loves you. He made it for you. Why do the birds sing? Because God loves you. Why do the flowers smell so pretty? Because God loves you. Why do we look across the scenery of our landscape and see the snow-capped mountains and think, God, they're so beautiful. God says, I did that for you. We look at the sea and we think, oh, it's so blue. It's so turquoise. Oh, it's beautiful. And God says, I did it for you. Everything about His creation is to say, I did it for you. I love you. I want you to know how much I love you. I want to be acquainted with you and have a relationship with you. Amen? And God's wanting us to reciprocate that. Why are we alive today? Why is it that we breathe breath? Why did we get up this morning? Because God wants to have a relationship with Him. He gave us another day to know Him. Remember I said that God says he don't want us to be robots. He wants to have a relationship. Notice what it says in Psalms 37 verse 4. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. See, we've had this mentality within the church that God just wants us to be mechanical, do what's right, don't mess up because God will slap you upside the head. No, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. That word delight means to pamper. Come on, have any of you ladies ever went to the spa and just pampered yourself? It was all about you. God says, if you'll delight yourself in me or pamper yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Come on, are you hearing that? God says, I care about your desires, what makes you happy, what makes you smile, the things that just kind of get you giddy on the inside. God says, I care about that. It's not mechanical. God wants to have an interaction with you that the desires of your heart. And listen to this. The desires that you have in you were birthed there by God in the first place. And he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Why do you have kids? Maybe it was a desire of your heart. God says, I'll bless you. Talk to my sister. She's had number five. This is a few months old, and I said this real sarcastically in a text. I said, well, are you ready for number six? She goes, yeah, we think we're going to go for number six. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> wow. But God give you the desires of your heart. Now, the natural side would say, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to take care of all those kids? Are you silly? Are you just, are you just stupid? I mean, six kids? If God will give you the desire of your heart, don't you think that he'll bless you with the means to be able to take care of those kids because those kids are his kids? Right? But we get all in the natural side of things and think, oh, dear God, that's just a stupid thing. Well, if that's the desire of your heart, well, bless you then. And God will make sure that he takes care of you. Why? Because he wants to have a relationship with you. Amen? My question for you is, do you know him? Do you know the hour in which we're living? Do you know that the clock is ticking and it is just under two minutes? I said to you, it's easy for us just to live this life day after day, going through the motions. Again, I've mentioned Facebook this morning, but just last week, or actually it was the week before Christmas, a friend of mine that I had worked with probably close to 30 years ago. He and I were very close. God used the relationship with him very strategically to get my life back on course. He was my best man in my wedding, and I haven't seen him really after we got married. But on Facebook, his wife put a post and says, Jim went into the hospital today, which was Christmas Eve. He had a seizure, and when they took him in, they found that he had a tumor on his brain. He said, we're hoping that he'll be able to be home for Christmas tomorrow. And we're going to be doing some further tests and we'll keep you updated. So I responded to him, just said, man, I, I'm, I'm in your corner. Whatever I can do, let me know. He sent me a text back to, uh, last week, just a couple days ago. And here's what he said The first thing he said is, it's amazing how something like this puts things in perspective when you're faced with life or death, when you're faced with eternity, it causes you to take inventory. My question and my challenge for you today is will you take personal inventory to say, God, am I acquainted with you? If I was to die and stand before you today, would you say that you know me? Do we have a relationship or have we just been going through the motions? My brother-in-law, Just a couple years ago, he was a very extreme diabetic. He was doing very poorly. His kidneys began to fail and and really they didn't know what was causing him to be in such poor health at this particular time. But he went into ICU and they thought he was going to die. And so my wife's sister called us and let us know what was going on. Saying, you know, we don't know if he's going to live or if he's going to die. The doctors aren't really giving us much hope or giving us many, many, really any answers. And the first words that came out of my wife's mouth was this God, he don't know you, so he cannot die. Now, my brother in law is a Muslim. My sister in law went to the same Bible college that I did, but is away from God right now. And so we began to pray. And my wife again said to the Lord, he cannot die because he don't know you. We talked to him a few days later. My sister-in-law said to us, she said, he's becoming more conscious and talking more. But one of the things that he just said was, there has been a man standing in his room dressed in white up against the wall for the last several days. Now notice what my sister-in-law said. Apart from God but facing eternity. She asked her Muslim husband, was it Jesus? His response was, I don't know. But I told him I wasn't ready to go. So, whether you deny Jesus or not, when you're facing eternity, there's something on the inside that says, I either know that I'm ready, or I know that I'm not. He's not come to Jesus yet, so he's not ready. But bless God, he will. Amen? Because he's my family. Praise God. My question for you. If this was your last day standing before Jesus, would you be ready for eternity? If you don't know that answer, then it's time to start getting ready. Committing our hearts and beginning to get real with God because the clock's ticking. Now, just as I close, real quick Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says this Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. How do I commit myself to the Lord? Number one, you can commit yourself to spending time or giving place to the word of God in your life. Now it doesn't have to be where you're spending hours in pro- or excuse me, hours in the word of God. It can be simply just a scripture that you begin to meditate on. And in the next couple of weeks we're going to be providing you or providing the church or making available just a daily scripture reading that you can begin to meditate on. To where we as a church corporately on any given day can have a daily meditation of Scripture where God can begin to talk to us. Secondly, just allow yourself to begin to pray. To talk with God. As my wife said this morning, God wants to talk to you. And if you'll give ear, you'll find that God talks to you more than you know He does. You say, well, I've never heard God talk to me audibly. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about a knowing on the inside. We're like, wow. That was God. I know that was God. He's given me direction. And it isn't a hard thing. You just commit to be acquainted with Him. And lastly, commit to being in church. You might say, well, pastor, that's real self-serving. That just means you get me here, you get more money out of me. Listen, that's not what it's about. But the Bible says this. Remember, Jesus said, in that day, I'll say to them, I didn't know you. But he says also, he says, before that day comes, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. For that day is soon approaching. He said, there are many that have gotten in the habit of not being in the assembly. But don't let that be you. You say, well, why is that important? because it jumpstarts your relationship it helps you grow in your faith you may say well what does that look like well we're here on Sunday morning every Sunday rain or shine you say well I don't always feel like going to church me neither welcome to the club I'm the pastor (laughs) if you know how many times I got ready to go to church and I said to my wife as we're getting ready I'm like you got it today I'm staying home She's like, you can't, you're the pastor (laughs) Wednesday night What's Wednesday night? Wednesday night is really just an opportunity for us to go deeper To study the word of God and grow Develop as leaders And our training as leaders What's all that for? Just to waste your time? No, it's to help you grow in your relationship with God Why is it important? Because we are in the last two minutes The clock is ticking And I want to stand before God on that day and look beside and say, we did it. There's Carl. Oh, I see Carl. Oh, there's Maggie and Tim. Come on, guys, we did it. See all these people on the front. We did it. Come on, we made it. And then it's your turn to stand up in line. And I'm, come on, come on, come on. And Jesus says, come on in. He didn't say to you, didn't say to that one, I didn't know you. Man, I tell you, what a celebration that's gonna be. High fives all around. I know you may not be a part of a church or be familiar with a church that gets excited in their their their, their worship towards God, but I'm telling you, on that day, you're gonna find that you have been holding back because you're gonna be the most charismatic person that you've ever seen. Woo hoo hoo hoo! I made it! Praise the Lord! Why? Because he's going to say, enter in. Let's get dedicated. Let's get committed. Let's purpose to put it all on the line and purpose to pursue God this year. Amen? Because we're in the last two minutes. Let's stay.